Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Welcome back, everybody. We just came up with our little own intro here. Ready? One, two, ready, hit. Everybody. Yeah. Creep your body out. Yeah. Creeps and crimes is back. For episode four. Episode four. Yeah, that was like super cute. We'll probably never do it again. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode four. I am Taylor. I'm Morgan. And we are stoked to have you back. Um, So I'm just going to kind of dive right into our bullshit talking and tell you that today has been a whole day for me. Mercury's in retrograde. 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 And she Fs with me hard. I don't don't understand it, but y'all, I have broken two of my brand new wine glasses today. And I have literally a huge cut in my finger because of it. So... Okay, that's all besides the point. Anyways, today okay. is a crazy day. Mercury is in retrograde. Yeah. Just watch yourself. It's going to be in met, uh, retrograde until I think early November is what I read today. Great, so, so we're f- yeah, effed, yeah. yeah. we're effed, so we don't swear. Um, right? No, we do eventually. So, anyways, uh, another thing that I wanted to talk about is the fact that I was listening back to our episodes, and <laughs> for the past two episodes in a row, Morgan has brought up Twilight. Oh. <laughs> Two episodes in a row, you have brought them up. Team Edward, <laughs> Team Jacob. So we wanted to. I wanted to take this time to tell you guys that we have started a book club. Oh yeah! <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, we started a book club, and we did. We don't know what the name of it is. Creeps and Reads. Creeps and Reads. Yeah, that's a creeps good. And you know what? Stories. She actually just made it right there. Creeps and Reads. So um, we're gonna be reading Midnight Sun. Dude, I'm so freaking excited about this. I love Twilight. Clearly, everybody Clearly. knows that. So did you pick that because you wanted to, like, just, like, make me happy? Yeah, just to make you happy. Oh, that's just so for you. nice. Yeah, you're so welcome. So next thing that we have to talk about is we want to give a shout out to our good friend, oh. Nick. Yep, he Thank is you, going Nick. to um, be rewriting our description because if you have read it up to this point, it's trash. You, it's trash. <laughs> it's literal trash. So he's going to rewrite that for us, and he's also going to help us build our website. So Nick is a really good friend of mine. Um, he actually moved to Miami, and he is my Miami king, and we he love him so is much. Literally a king, guys. A literal. You should king. see his apartment; it's bougie as heck, and it's so gorgeous. It's and beautiful. I'm so excited. 
to get all this done so that way we can get our merch yes our merch coming soon i know you guys are like you guys keep saying it's coming soon like you guys don't have shit no we, we literally we're didn't really think are... that y'all would love it so much. yeah we're, we're trying we're trying it's coming we swear to god and then another thing that we wanted to talk about is um we don't ever 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 want to get political on here Mm-hmm. Ever, yeah, but never. we, we do want ever. to say that you guys need to go out and get your votes in. Yes, yeah, so make sure you go vote, no matter what your political affiliation is. We don't care. We don't even want to know, but we just want to encourage you to go exercise your right as an American and go vote. Awesome. And so the last thing that we have to say, our dear friends. Arletta LaRue at Stay Open Podcast and Zach Cohen at Confirmation Bias Podcast got engaged. So we are so excited for them. Congratulations. And another thing is that Stay Open and Creeps and Crimes are going to be doing a crossover episode next week. So you guys will get to hear firsthand from the spooky queen herself. (laughs) Arletta LaRue. So we are so stoked about this. Um, make sure you tune in next week. Give her a follow on her Instagram and we're going to get y'all hooked up with her. Yeah. You guys will love her. All right. So are you ready for our intro? What if they love her more than us though? Okay. You can't love her more than us. Okay. That's what everyone does. I know everybody always ends up doing that, but it's It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. Yeah. We can just dive into our intro. All right. So if you're driving, throw that shitting cruise control. Okay, let's try it again. All right. So if you're driving, throw that shit on cruise control. If you got a glass, pour that shit up. And, and let's get creepy. My and this is back. Oh, God. Okay, so now that that's over with, Morgan, <laughs> what story do you have for us today? And also, what are you drinking? Oh, Taylor, Taylor. I am drinking imagery, imagery, imagery Chardonnay. Okay. Right? <laughs> yes, I think that's what it's called. Imagery. And I am drinking uh, 19 Crimes wine because what's new? And But this time I'm changing it up and I'm drinking the Uprising one, which is basically the red blend, but it has been aged 30 days in a rum barrel. So it's kind of got a rummy taste in it. That sounds absolutely disgusting. <laughs> Shut up. It's really good. <laughs> All right. Tell My us your story. story, though. Okay, so today, drumroll, please. I'm going to talk about sleep paralysis. Oh, my God. I have God. personal experiences with this spooky little concept of paralysis during your sleep. It's freaking crazy. So, what do you know? We'll start off there. Tell me Anything what you Anything that know. you have told me at 3 a.m. when you wake me up. Okay. Right. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> Sleep paralysis is when your conscious is awake, but your body is still sleeping. Okay. So this usually occurs while you're falling asleep. More likely occurs when you're waking up, mostly during wake up. I think that's when I experience it the most. So the paralysis comes from the inability to move your body. So when I experience it, I lay there awake and I I think my eyes are open. I know some people, their eyes are open, but I'm able to see like every single detail in my bedroom you know and I just I can't move my body some people experience shadowy figures in the corner like myself so I'm going to tell you about my first experience I was maybe 10 or 12 years old I'm not really sure somewhere around there 
And I had just moved into a new bedroom in my house, my sister's room. Thanks, Marley. <laughs> really appreciated that. Um, so if you were looking at my bedroom, there was a little hallway that led to the door. So I couldn't necessarily see my door from my bed where I was laying. Okay. And I had this little desk fan. I don't know if you remember those little tiny metallic fans. Do oh you know God. what I'm talking about? Yes, I used to have them in every color. Yeah. yeah, I used to have a blue one and a pink one. So I had a silver one, and it was so loud. I just remember because my older brother had one, my sister had one, and I just remember mine was so much louder. So I had woken up um, in the middle of the night, and well, I, I thought that I was still sleeping, but apparently, you know, my mind was awake. I didn't know what was going on. I was ten. And I just remember my fan, this is what first started off, my fan started going so slow and it was so loud, but it was just slowing down and slowing down and it was making me like seriously irritable. And then from the corner or in the corner of my bedroom where that hallway was leading to my door, I remember seeing this dark shadow and I remember it was like kind of moving with the pace of my fan spinning. Nope, time to move out. And... It was just like coming closer to me and closer to me. And I remember laying there and I was trying to scream, mom, mom. And like nothing was coming out of my mouth. I was trying to jolt myself up. Nothing was coming. I wasn't moving enough. I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't breathe and it got closer and closer and closer. And finally, somehow I have no idea how I had woke my body up and I jolted up, sat straight up in my bed, mid screaming, mom. And it was gone. Like, the shadow was gone, and I couldn't, obviously, I had nightmares. I couldn't sleep for... Ever. For days. So, that was the first experience I had. It was absolutely terrifying, and I never told anybody. I never told my mom. I never told my dad. I think I might have told my mom, actually, that morning, but she probably just looked at me like I was crazy. (laughs) She's like, okay, Morgan. (laughs) And so, it would happen, like, every now and then, but nothing like that. That one is the one that I remember the most. And then, in college, my freshman year... I remember this is the second one that's most vivid to me. Um, I remember coming home after my 8 a.m. class and I took a nap. And I had, Oh my God, those were the best. Oh, naps. yeah, because I didn't have class till like one. I'm like, right. oh, I love living on campus. <laughs> so I had turned, I was actually laying on my side. So I had turned facing towards the wall. And I remember that I had woken up and it was like almost as if. Oh, I mean, I wasn't awake. I was in sleep paralysis. But it was almost as if my head had turned towards the whole entire room because I could see that room, but I knew my body was facing the wall. And you had a person that slept also in your room. Yes. So I had a roommate. And she... <laughs> yeah, not a person that slept also in your room. A roommate. <laughs> yeah. So I had I had a roommate and she was always gone early in the morning. She had all... Of, she was a morning person. So she had all of her classes in the morning. Kelly, my girl. So... I remember sleeping and I could see my whole room and I just remember I wasn't able to move. I felt like I couldn't breathe again. I was like, oh my God, it's happening again. And I remember seeing my roommate and I remember seeing my room, feeling my roommate point at me. I mean, like hit me in the back with her finger, like Morgan, wake up, Morgan, wake up. Mm -hmm. And I remember like I was trying to say, I I am awake. I just, I can't, I can't tell you that I am awake. I swear I'm awake. Because I thought that, like, she was, like, freaking out. And I remember seeing her, I think it was her, just, like, hitting me in the back. Like, wake up. Like, like she was scared. And I had finally woken up and she wasn't there. And I remember asking her the next day or later that day, I was like, hey, like, did you come home after your 8 a.m. this morning? And she was like, no, dude, I have class until whatever one. 
I'm like, what the heck? So that was like another scary one where I like vividly remember seeing shadows and it has happened. Honestly, when we lived together at our apartment, it was happening quite often, Mm -hmm. but like I never really saw shadows there. Right. I think maybe once, but it was more of just like I was aware that I was in sleep paralysis. And then I think the more that you have it, the more um, used to it you are and you don't freak out as much. Like I know like, okay, this is what's happening. Everything is fake. Nothing's real. Start waking your body up. Start telling your your body it's time to wake up because your mind is awake. Mm-hmm. So those are my stories. And each time I did felt like I have like this weight on my chest that would present me from sitting up, which especially in the first story, it would, you know, I was trying to jerk my body up, right. but I couldn't move. And that's especially, like, especially scary when you're 10 years old. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, when you're, you know, just living on your own, that's also just as scary because mm-hmm. you're, you're already at a vulnerable state because you're, first off, you went to a completely different state to go to school. Yeah, I didn't know a single soul in right. the state of Tennessee when I moved to college. <laughs> exactly. I didn't know a single person. Right. And so, and then on top of that, like, our apartment that we had together, we had blessed it a lot. Yeah. We're both really spiritual people and we lived with people that were completely okay with us doing that. Mm-hmm. So we really did that. So I wonder if that affected um, your shadow, shadow figures. Yeah, I I don't know. But I do know that I had finally, after maybe like my freshman year, maybe my sophomore year of experiencing it in college, I had came home and I was just like kind of talking about it because I had looked into it a little bit more. And I remember talking about it like with my brother and my mom and my brother was like, yeah, that's happened to me. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's happened to me at my apartment in college. And they, he lived in like this older house upstairs above like some type of business. And he was like, I remember seeing a shadow standing in the doorway. He said, it happens to me all the time. I'm like, okay, well, that's weird. So I don't know if it's like, you know, something and whatever. Scientific like explanation, something with the REM cycle. I'll get into it in a little bit, but usually during paralysis, your eyes are open. I don't know if I've said that. Did I say that already? Yeah, I think you mentioned some people have theirs open and sometimes... Yeah, I remember I was like really researching it that one time I was watching videos of people that experience it every night and they had like brought them into this hospital and they put cameras on them and you could see them like eyes open, just like looking around. It was super creepy to watch, and I hope I don't look like that when I'm sleeping. <laughs> I would never want – I would never, ever put cameras in my room while I'm sleeping. Would you? I – one time I did – I had to do it for a um, school project mm-hmm. for, like, a, a life skills class or something. And it was the SleepBot app, and it's still available, and it's, like, even bigger now, especially with Apple Watches. Oh, is that that thing that, like, monitors when you wake up, when you have movement? It records everything that happens in the middle of the night, and you know this about me, but if you know me at all, you guys know that I sleep, I mean, I sleep talk all night long, and I sleepwalk, and I'll never, ever, ever record myself at night again because... I don't know what voice came out of me or if it even was my voice, but I heard the most scary thing in the whole wide world. Why and do I, I remember that? It. Like, I don't remember listening to it. Oh, because I, I have it still on my phone That's and I've played it for insane. you. I would never, never be able to do that. Yeah. Don't ever do it, people. So sleep paralysis, though, it usually only lasts like a few seconds to a few minutes, even though it feels like eternity. It feels, you've never experienced it, have you? No, I've never done sleep paralysis. That's you're lucky. I'm a lucky human being. So during paralysis, there's three types of hallucinations that people 
reported experiencing. The first one is intruder hallucination, which is that shadow in the corner of the room. You feel like somebody's there or something is there in your room that is not supposed to be there. Um, the second one is incubus hallucinate hallucinations, and that's the sense of pressure on chest, you know, feeling like you're getting suffocated and you're not able to breathe. Um, and the other one's an out-of-body hallucination. So I don't know where that, the out-of-body hallucination, ties into lucid dreaming. I don't know if the two go hand in hand, but lucid dreaming is an out-of-body experience, right? Yeah. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. I guess I can jump into the scientific explanation. Mm. Nobody likes that, but we don't believe it anyway, do we, guys? Right. So they say that sleep paralysis is just a mixed state of consciousness in which, you know, the elements of being awake are combined with your REM cycle, which is your rapid eye movement Mm -hmm. sleep. So during REM, you most often have vivid dreams. And because of the vivid dreams... The REM state paralyzes our muscles in order to protect our bodies from making dangerous movements in response to what we're dreaming about. Got it. So they're just saying that, like, those states of consciousness are getting mixed up. (sighs) Pretty boring. I know. We don't believe that, though. So 8% of people experience sleep paralysis, which is not a high number. No, you're the 8. I am one of the 8. So... There's a few different cultural beliefs on what sleep paralysis is. I'm so is, excited for this. Um, but a lot of them have very similar ideas. Okay. So, in Fiji, they believe that a demon who is deceased relative is coming back to discuss or finish unfinished business. And that's the shadow that you see. No just, demon. No demon. No, I hope to God I'm not seeing a demon. You're not. In Iran and Pakistan, they believe that that is a demon taking over your body. Oh my God, no. Could be an enemy or it could be an enemy performing black magic on you. Uh, That's more, that's more reasonable. At like the same time that you're sleeping. I'm just going to like try to fly through these because there's a bunch of different um, I'm so excited. So in Brazil, so all of these are like folkloric tales, you know. So in Brazil, they believe that it is a creature who has long fingernails and walks on rooftops at night. And the creature is called Pisadira. Pisadira. I don't know. Something like that. Don't come at us. And she comes into the houses and she just walks on the chest of those sleeping. So that's why it's heavy on your chest. Which creates the heaviness on your chest. Okay. That's in Brazil. In Spain, they believe that it is a black animal often a dog or a cat. Oh my God, Satan. And they refer to this animal as Pesanta. Pesanta. Mm-hmm. Just ignore me again on this, on the pronunciation. So they believe that this animal invades people's homes and sits on their chest while they're sleeping, which makes it difficult to breathe and causes nightmares. In Canada, they refer to the shadow as the old hag, and that comes and sits on sleeping people. So... I don't know why. It's the old hag. The old hag. The old hag is here. It's the old hag. It's the old hag in the corner. (laughs) Um, Vietnam and Laos, Laos, L-A-O-S, the country. I don't know how to pronounce it. Okay. Anyway, in Vietnam and et cetera, (laughs) they believe that it is a pressing spirit and that the spirit sits on sleeper's chest and tries to asphyxiate them, which is suffocate them. Yeah. So... The idea of weight holding someone down is common 
in yeah. all of the different cultural beliefs. Um, Do you experience that heaviness on the chest? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, I have. And that's why, remember my first story, I Pushing couldn't, forward. yeah, I couldn't get up. Um, so in Mexico, they refer, refer to sleep paralysis as a dead body or a dead spirit climbed on top of you and had just been laying on you. These are all just like folklore tales or folk tales, whatever yeah. they're called. Um, some other cultures, they believe that these are just spells cast by shamans okay. or summoners. And that explains sleep paralysis. In Inuit, am I saying that right? Inuit yeah. culture, people tell of shamans who cast a spell when a person is sleeping, causing the experience which they have a name for it, can't pronounce it. I have no idea how to even begin to pronounce it. Just spell it, dear God. U-Q-U-M-A-N-G-I-R-N-I-Q. All right, so if you know how to pronounce that, send us an audio clip of it. During which the person can't move, talk, or scream and is visited by a shapeless or faceless presence. Remember the faceless presence when I tell you this story. Okay. In Japan, they refer to a summoner who calls upon a vengeful spirit to suffocate their enemies through a phenomenon called, can't say it again, K-A-N-A-S-H-I-B-A-R-I, which means the state of being totally bound as if they're constrained by, like, you know, metal chains or some type of restraint. Right. Um, In other cultures, ghosts or supernatural beings are the perpetrators as the shadowy figure. Some people believe that it can also be correlated to alien abductions. Uh, um, yes. Out of all the cultural beliefs, you can come to the conclusion that nobody thought that whatever this shadowy figure in your room, it is not a nice spirit. It is an evil spirit right. and it's trying to harm you. Okay. Which is terrifying. And don't tell me that this is just something in the REM cycle. Whenever one, two, three, four, five, six, eight to ten different cultures, I'm sure more. This is just, you know, I'm not going to read through all the cultures. Believe that this is something supernatural, right. paranormal. Something's off. Once again, scientists, don't come at us with your bullshit. We don't want to hear exactly. it. Exactly. So I then come across this research study, and they had asked 30,000 people, like, what was your experience of sleep paralysis? The top answer is that they experienced a deeming or another super, supernatural being in their presence. The second top answer was that they felt crushed or strangled during sleep paralysis. And the third top answer was an intruder. God. So then they asked the same 30,000 people how scared they were during sleep paralysis. Over 50% of the people said 10 out of 10, terrified. Yeah. And then it goes all the way, you know, 13%, 8 out of 10, 10 10.2%, 9 out of 10. All very high numbers. They asked those same um, 30,000 people, what age did you first have sleep paralysis? And 50% said in the age of 13 and 19 years old. Then the next highest answer was 20 to 29, which is when I experienced it. I was 10 or 12. I right. mean, I don't I don't know the exact number. I could have been 13, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you what is your take? I don't want to believe it's demonic. I do want to think it's a darker spirit, but I don't want to think it's demonic. But I do not think it is something within your REM cycle that Me brings neither. it. Me neither. It's something supernatural. And if it was your REM cycle, then why aren't more People experience it. Right. It wouldn't be just 8% because it's not like just 8% of people have dreams. Exactly. Everybody has Exactly. Everybody has vivid dreams. Right. Well, I mean, I I hope everybody has vivid dreams. Most people I know. Yeah. Although my boyfriend, he never dreams. 
So I do. They have a... just don't remember it. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I think. That's what I think. I remember every single dream down to the detail. Me too. I've said that. I used to write one. them down. Yeah, dream journal. Maybe mm-hmm. we should start that. Oh my god, let's start that up again since we've started this podcast and start reading right. dark Creeps shit. And, Creeps and dream journal coming soon. <laughs> Creeps and dreams. So I do just want to read this little excerpt. I I had joined this Facebook group, um, and everyone kind of talks about their own like paranormal experiences. And this is a post from 2018. So I'm only going to give you guys her first name, and I'm going to read it to you from her personal perspective. So this is a post from Rachel. Hello. Thank you to my BFF for talking me through this early this morning, but sleep paralysis has made its presence once again. Usually when I experience sleep paralysis, it's the same exact scenario every time. It isn't something that happens all too often, and for me, it's very easy to remember it. But this time, it was way different. Drastically different. So different, I think we've decided I'm going to burn some sage, even though I know that all of it's fake and it's just my brain being stuck in the sleep cycle, but good God. Okay. So I'm at the restaurant thing. I'm at this restaurant thing. I don't know. It looks like one. There's two guys sitting at a table and I go to meet them. The one is like laying down on the bench. I lean into him and kind of hug him, I guess. And then suddenly he melts. Next next thing I know, I'm awake and we're in my bed. But the melted guy had turned into this huge black mass that was holding me uncomfortably tight and close to it, up against it. It was screaming at me mocking me to wake up in this super raspy demonic sounding voice it started thrashing with me still in its arms and laughing at me and it wouldn't let go i tried calling out to my dad which made it worse then i woke up i don't think it actually was that long but it felt like eternity i'm spooked the mast had no face so how the hell was it talking i could see it laughing like i could read its expression even though there was no face and it was a solid black mass like a shadow It's spring break where I'm at, and I'm the only one in my house, not in school, and I'm about to be alone for the week, most likely, and I am panicking. So then we go back to the Inuit culture. You're not okay. Oh, my God. I want to light the sage. I'm covered in goosebumps. That was the first time I was hearing that, y'all, and I'm literally sick at my stomach. (laughs) Yeah, dude, I, I don't even know what I would do. So she had a dream and her dream had fallen into her sleep paralysis and whatever shadow from her dream had or this melted male had carried into when she was awake in her bedroom. Oh, God. And back to the Inuit culture where they say that they are visited by shapeless or faceless presence. She said that this shadow had no face but yet she could hear it talking she could see it screaming but there was no face right which is very hard to describe oh god so i can't imagine what she was seeing absolutely terrifying rachel if you ever hear this i'm sorry that you had to experience that (laughs) oh my god thank you rachel thank you rachel for sharing your for being comfortable enough to share your crazy story i'm going to read another public post from a woman named annabelle Again, I'm going to read it from her perspective. She says, All right, going to sound crazy, but totally okay with that. My fiancé and I's apartment definitely has stuff going on. So I'm sensitive. I have been for a while. Anyway, some backstory. My sophomore year of college, I started having weird shit happen in my dorm. Like shadow figures. There was this one thing that would hang out in the upper corner of my room that was just like a black mass of negativity. It was weird. Anyway... Shortly after noticing this black mass, I started having these kind of attacks where I'd be lying in bed and as I was waking up from a nap or in the middle of my nap, 
So I'd be woken up, but my body being tight and paralyzed and feeling like my arms and legs were moving in slow, weird patterns. And I was overcome with fear and I couldn't stop it, but I was fully aware of what was happening. And so I'd pray and it would stop and I'd get up, get a glass of water, etc. Only thing I found to ever explain it was either A, a seizure, went to a neurologist and ruled this out, or B, sleep paralysis, which didn't make much sense because my body was clearly moving. There even was a chance where I could open my eyes enough to where I could see my body, and I saw my legs and arms flailing. Fast forward a year, and I'm in my first apartment with my fiancé, and our cat always hangs out back by the laundry room door. She just sits there and she'll watch it or meow at it for hours at a time. There have been shadow people. One came to visit a few days ago, touched my arm, and my arm started to move, so I immediately started to pray, and it stopped. It was bizarre. Well... We get woken up at 3 a.m. by our cat meowing, and it happened again tonight. She was making this god-awful sound like she was in pain, which woke us up, and she was pacing between the laundry room and our bedroom and finally laid down facing towards the laundry room door. Then a few seconds later, my fiancé lets me know it's 3 a.m. Then I immediately felt the negative presence of a man in the doorway to our bedroom, and I told my fiancé this. Well, 10 minutes or so later, my fiancé starts to shiver, shake, and he whimpers. So I shake him, thinking he was asleep, and his eyes burst open, and I asked him what happened, and he described the exact same thing that happened to me sophomore year of college. He could feel his body shaking, but couldn't stop it, gripped with fear, mind a little hazy. It was absolutely crazy. So now we're both lying in bed and not getting any sleep. I have no explanation for the seizure-like fits. I don't even know what to call them. Now that we both have them, it makes me feel like it's something external and not internal. End story. Um, no. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The cat, the cat. The cats are always right. Trust your cat. Trust your cat. Trust your dog. Trust your hamster. Trust your kids. Oh, God. Trust your kids. They see shit that we can't see. Yeah. Oh and that's God. a fact. And that is a fact. So those are my stories of sleep paralysis. You guys can come to your own conclusion on what you think it is, whether what you believe in, what you don't believe in. Um, you know me and Taylor. You already know our opinion. We believe it. <laughs> um, so before we s- skip over to you, yeah. um, everybody need- send in your listener stories. Please, like how please, fun was please. that to just listen to these two stories that I had found we want to be able to give you guys just an like entire that. episode just like that. And they don't have to be creepy. They can be true crime related. They can be, like, literally it doesn't have to happen to just you. It could be in your neighborhood. It could be your mom. Your dad got abducted by aliens. Or it could be a tale of, like, your your hometown or right. something. Like it, or if your community has a legend. Like, we yeah. want to hear them. Please send them in. They don't have to be Halloween-centered. They can be whatever they want to be. Um, anyways, please do that. You can send them to us at Creeps and Crimes creepsandcrimespodcast at gmail.com or if you don't have an email you can follow us on instagram at creepsandcrimespodcast and dm them to us we just want to have them to be able to read them we want to have this bonus episode please please please, please. do that okay all right taylor here i go sorry i shook you up a little bit but what do you got (laughs) for me i'm so torn up so I'm not going to give you guys a title, actually. Okay. I um, Because if I give you a title, I feel like it takes the plot twist away from this story. Okay. But I do want to give you guys a trigger warning with this story. There is um younger victim and also um, 
sexual harassment, rape, and so on. So if those are triggers for you, um, you can skip over my story. I'm not going to have my feelings hurt. I just want to make sure that you guys are protected. So I'm just going to hop into it. Cool. This is my first, I don't want to call this a serial killer, but um, somewhat that way. So um, Maniac. Here we go. Yeah, maniac. They're all maniacs. Let's hop into it. Okay, so it's May 31st in 1985 in Lexington, South Carolina, which Lexington, South Carolina is about 20 minutes outside of Columbia, South Carolina. Um, 17-year-old high school senior Sherry Faye Smith was driving home from the end of the year pool party, so she's about to graduate. Um, When she got home, she pulled beside her mailbox. Her father, Bob, saw her pull up from his study upstairs And he just, like, waved at her through the window and then got back to work. A few minutes later, he realized that she had not come inside yet. This was pretty significant because every time she had gotten home, she would go find her dad and give him a big welcoming hug. So he looks outside one more time, realizing that her car was still outside by the mailbox. The engine was running, her purse was inside, and the driver's side door was wide open. She was nowhere to be seen. Sherry had a rare form of diabetes, and she would have never, ever left intentionally without her medication on her, and it was in her purse. Bob goes and gets his wife and tells her what's going on, and they immediately call the police and explain the situation. The police assume that she was just a runaway, considering that she was a few days away from graduating high school and literally, like, three weeks away from her 18th birthday. Her parents begin to plead and explain that she has a rare illness and she would have never, ever, ever left without her medication and it was in her purse. So she would literally die without it. After this, the police began to understand the severity of all this. So they start a search party and this search party actually happens the weekend of her high school graduation. It included all local, state and federal law enforcement and hundreds of volunteers from her community. Unfortunately, there were no discoveries made from this, and there was no evidence recovered. Three days after the search, at 2.30 a.m., the Smith family phone begins to ring. And remember, this is in 1985, so it's like a landline. Sherry's sister, Dawn, answers the phone. The caller on the other line claims that he had abducted Sherry from her car at gunpoint. He never demanded any money. So he wasn't holding her at ransom. He just wanted to let them know that he had her. Asshole. Right. (laughs) To prove that he was legitimate, he describes the exact clothing that she had on the day that she was abducted. And it was confirmed. He has Sherry. He tells the family that Sherry is still alive and that a letter will be arriving in the mail soon from her. The police get this letter from the post office literally immediately. And on a yellow sheet of legal paper, Sherry had written on the very top, last will and testament. Wait, what? And this is a 17-year-old. Remember this. Right. So, um, my sources for this are, and that's why we drink podcasts, which is my favorite podcast of all time. I love you, Christine and M. if you ever hear this. Um, and Murderpedia. And as well as an investigation discovery episode. So on And That's Why We Drink, Christine went through and did a lot of research and found this letter. So I wanted to give her credit for the the letter. So this is what the letter says. On the very top, it says the last will and testament. 
And then it's dated June 1st, 1985, 3.10 a.m. And it says, I love y'all. I love you, Mommy, Daddy, Robert, Don, and Richard, and everyone else, and all the friends and relatives. I'll be with my father now, so please, please don't worry. Just remember my witty personality and all the great special times we shared together. Please don't ever let this ruin your lives. Just keep living one day at a time for Jesus. Some good will come out of this. My thoughts will always be with you and in you. Casket closed, please. I love you all so damn much. Sorry, Dad. I had to cuss for once. Jesus, forgive me. Richard, sweetie, I really did and always will love you and treasure our special moments together. I ask one thing, though. Please accept Jesus as your personal Savior. My family has been my greatest influence on my life. I'm sorry for the cruise money. Someday, please go in my place. I'm sorry if I ever disappointed you in any way. I only wanted to make you proud because I have always been proud of my family. Mom, Dad, Robert, and Don, there is so much I want to say that I should have said before now. I love you. I know y'all love me and will miss me very much, but I... I'm sorry, but if y'all stick together like we always did, y'all can do it. Please do not become hard or upset. Everything works out for the good of those who love the Lord. All my love always. I love you all with my whole heart. Signed, Sharon Sherry Smith. P.S. Nana, I love you so much. I kind of always felt like I was your favorite. You were mine. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that one's really hard to read. Because it's coming from a 17-year-old girl right. that is knowing that this is the last thing she's ever going to say to her family. To her family. Oh, my God. <sighs> okay. So, after recovering this letter, the FBI immediately gets involved. They take over the entire house and tap all the phones. They escort the entire family wherever they need to go, just in case something... Just in case this was, like, a family-targeted ordeal. So, they would take the mom to the grocery store. They would take the sister wherever they need to go, the brother, or so on. All the while, calls continue to come through. This man is just taunting the Smith family. Eight calls were made in all. Each time, he explains that Sherry is still alive. In one call, he describes raping her and tells her mother, quote, Sherry is a part of me now. Mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Our souls are one. What? Fuck up, motherfucker. Sorry, y'all. That was just... That's sick. Sick. So, like I said before, the FBI had been trying to tap and track all these phone calls, which they find that these calls are actually coming from a payphone that is approximately like 20 miles away from the family home. So, on the eighth and final call, the killer tells that the family that he had wrapped Sherry's head in duct tape and suffocated her before giving them directions to her body. This dude is an absolute sicko. Literally. So... I forgot to mention this. Most of the time, he had been on the phone with her sister, Dawn. He had, like, reacted really well to her, and he would stay longer on the phone call, so the FBI have her answering. Was she younger? Um, I'm not really sure. I'll get back to you on that. So, on the eighth and final call, I already told you guys that. Never mind. Let's keep going. They immediately go to the location that the man had given them, and they find her body, just as he had described However, it was extremely decomposed, therefore making it very difficult to identify her cause of death. 
After an autopsy, they loosely are able to determine that she had died of suffocation or dehydration, which would have been a result of her rare form of diabetes. They couldn't even confirm the rape allegations that he had claimed, but after the autopsy, they had confirmed that despite what he had said, she had actually been murdered within the first 12 hours of being abducted. So now, the killer continues to call the Smith family home, taunting them, and they have to answer because the FBI literally has to have them answer so that they can tap the phones and try to track where this is coming from. He even called to discuss funeral arrangements. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyways, so this manhunt ensues for this killer, and it actually became the largest in South Carolina history. And while this is all taking place, the killer strikes again. Two weeks after Sherry's kidnapping on Don't June... Don't even tell me the sister. No, it's not a sister. On June 14th, 1985, Deborah May Helmick, a nine-year-old girl, was abducted oh while playing with her siblings in the middle of the day. So she was the oldest in her family. Oh it's literally in the middle of the day, like broad daylight. So the sibling said that a, pol- a car pulled up and a man jumped out and literally grabbed her, threw her in the car, and sped off. Like, literally, the panic that had been around in the 80s and 90s. Like, you right. have no idea who this person is. Right. So, he throws her in the car and he speeds off. Just as he did with the Smith family, he begins to call the Helmick family home. He said that he had murdered Deborah and once again gave them directions to her body. Once the FBI arrived on the scene, they discover her body just as the man had described. However, she was just as badly decomposed, making it very difficult once again to determine her cause of death. So basically, the FBI is at a complete standstill because they cannot trace his phone calls. They cannot because it's all on pay phones. They right. don't have only thing really they have is the body. And this is in the 80s. It's, right. This is in 1985. Yeah. So the only thing they really have is Sherry and Deborah's bodies. And the letter that was sent from Sherry to the Smith family home. The FBI begins to examine this letter using electrostatic, I'm so sorry, (laughs) detection apparatus to discover residual indentations that had been left on the letter. So just like in the story of Diane Downs, when they were able to see on the map, the map that she had drawn from the indentations in her notebook that she used to draw it. You know what I'm talking about? Right, yeah. They did the, that exact same thing, but used a fancy word. So, um, on this, they found an incomplete. They, they found a bunch of incomplete phone numbers. With this information, they will they were able to put one uh, number to get completely together, and it belonged to a local elderly couple. Couple. When the FBI arrived at the couple's home, they described the man's psychological profile that they had given him and a description that they had had from Deborah's siblings. The elderly couple immediately identified him as an electrician that had done a couple jobs for them in the past. And he had actually house sat for them multiple times. His name is Larry Jean Bell. So I'm going to give you a little background on Larry Jean Bell. I I just need to know why you would ask an electrician to house sit for you. (laughs) It's the 80s, man. I I don't know. It's the 80s. So, um, Bell was born in Ralph, um, Alabama. He had three sisters and one brother. As a kid, the family moved around a lot. During his first two years of high school, his family moved to Columbia, South Carolina, which I already told you is about 25 minutes away from where all this is taking place, Mm -hmm. um, before moving to Mississippi. So, he had gone to high school for two years in Columbia. The family moves to Mississippi. Following his high school graduation, he moved back to Columbia, got married, and had a son. 
1970, Bell joined the Marines, um, but was discharged that same year due to a knee injury when he shot himself in the leg when he was attempting to clean his gun. So he's just an overall idiot. Um, in 1972, he and his wife divorced after moving to Rock Hill, South Carolina, which is just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. It's like right on the border. Okay. Remember that. Yeah. Rock Hill. Okay. So back to the story. So it's June 27th, which is my birthday. Um, weird. Yeah, I know, right? June 27th, 1985. And the FBI takes Larry Jean Bell into custody. They charge him with two counts of first degree murder. During his, because they also found stuff in his apartment that literally was like, hey, I killed these two people. Anyways, um, during his six-hour testimony, Bell continually blurted out crazy-ass comments. Like, he refused to answer any questions, but he would just not stop talking. He kept saying, silence is golden. And at one point, he even yelled out, Don E. Smith is to marry me, which is Sherry's sister. Sister. Right. So Don actually, just a little side note on Don, Don actually later became Miss South Carolina, an author oh, and a famous gospel singer. And she even wrote a song called Sisters about her sister. So you go, go Don. You go listen to that. Um, he literally attempted to propose to her on the stand. Yeah, he's a freak. <laughs> freak. They eventually realized that he is trying to like trying to make the people feel bad for him by claiming that he has a mental illness to get a lighter sentence because from what they could tell, he was completely sane. They're not sure about this now, like looking back though, because he at one point claimed that he was Jesus Christ and covered himself in his own shit and drank his own piss until the day that he died. Oh, well, good. I'm glad he did that. Yeah, I'm glad that you did that. Dumbass. I wish you would have wrapped your face with that. <laughs> Shut up, dude. <laughs> um, either way, he was sentenced to death, but he specifically requested that he was not killed by lethal injection, but the electric chair. Okay. Fitting. Good for you. And you know what his reasoning was? Because he wanted to be with his girls faster, a.k.a. his well, victims. You're going to hell, so. Yeah, you're going straight to hell and they're in heaven, so sit pretty there, sir. He was executed on October 4th, 1996. He was also a suspect in two other murders. So I'm going to give you a quick little thing about those murders. Um, The first one was the 1984 disappearance of Sandy Elaine Cornett um, from Charlotte, North Carolina, who actually was the girlfriend of one of Bell's co-workers. Where did I tell you he was before? Rock Hill. Rock Hill, which is where... Right outside of Charlotte. Uh, and then the second one was the murder of Denise Newsom uh, Porch in July of 1975. So this one was actually before. And they had actually lived in the same uh, apartment complex in Charlotte, North Carolina. So one other thing I wanted to mention um, is that the Smith family actually went and forgave Bell to his face before he died. So the story behind this is pretty sad so basically they went in to go see him because the smith family which you could tell from reading sherry's letter they were a very religious family mm-hmm. um, and very big christians especially you know don she, like i said she ended up becoming a gospel singer and an author um but they went in to go see him and as soon as they sat down the mother um miss smith immediately forgave him to his face and bob the father he 
looked at his wife and was so just like overwhelmed with her forgiveness and her strength to be able to do that. He was like, I'm going to do it, but I'm not ready yet. Mm-hmm. So it actually took him a little bit longer, but eventually he went in and um, forgave Belle to his face. Um, do you think that that is necessarily what Belle wanted? Because he really enjoyed tormenting. No, this family. motherfucker thought that so, he was Jesus Christ. Okay. I shouldn't have said that in the same sentence. But <laughs> here we are. Um, anyways, he went in and forgave them. And, you know, the dad really took it hard, um, Bob Smith. He really took it hard because he was like, you know, I'm supposed to protect my family. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I was home that day. Yeah. You know, it's just. Two minutes earlier. Survivors go. Literally. So, um, anyways, that is the murder of Sherry Faye Smith and Deborah May Helmick. Wow. That was my favorite story so far. Yeah. It was, um, it was dark. It was very dark. It was really hard to read. Um. Especially, I I actually didn't read the letter out loud. I actually didn't even reread the letter after I wrote it Mm -hmm. because of how emotional it made me. I almost choked up talking about it. Um, However, that is my first semi-serial killer. Yeah. And hopefully we can build on that. It was good. So next week is our Halloween episode. And then after that is our bonus episode. Listeners. And we are so excited. Don't forget that Stay Open is going to be with us next week. It's going to be fun. You're going to love it. You're going to love her. So now I'm going to give you a quick reminder about our creepy accounts. Send those in, y'all. Any stories. We want anything. Anything. Creeps and Crimes Podcast at gmail.com or you can DM us at Creeps and Crimes Podcast on Instagram. You can follow our personal Instagrams. Mine is Taylor J. Mine's morg.m, double G, you already know. Double G, you already knew that. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. We're going to get you guys um, the merch examples out here soon. Yes, soon. Go reread our new um, description that Nick wrote us. Like, comment, subscribe, download. Oh, my God. Share it, please. Guys, please share it. We love when y'all share it. Like, if you're listening to it right now, screenshot it, post it on your Instagram, tag us in it. We love it. And then Please. also, one last thing before we um, sign off. Thank you so, 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 so much for <laughs> reviewing and rating us. They are so nice and we love reading them. It makes us feel really good about ourselves. Those of you from Lake Stevens, Washington, are you going to show your face or not? <laughs> just tell us who you are. Tell us who you are. You guys are our number one download. Like, we just want to, like, thank y'all. I mean, thank give you. you a shout out. We Anyways. love you guys. We love you. Just show your face. We man. want to plan a trip. Yeah, we're we're coming to Lake Stevens, Washington. We'll find you. We're gonna find you. All right, guys. <laughs> thank you so much. Tune back in next week for at five and our bonus up. Woo! All right, guys. Love you. Love you. Talk to you later.